morning, Lindola. How are you? Oh, whew, splendid. Good. You're awake. Well, we are going to continue this series called How to Grow this week. We're in our fifth week of six weeks. Um, so in just a few minutes, we're going to do that. But let me share a couple things that are going on. Um, you've seen these cards floating around called Groups for a Season. Uh, groups for a Season is basically an opportunity to give you a taste of small group community life. Uh, they're five-week groups. They're going to start the mo- in the first week of May and run the month of May. Now, I was asked early on, well, how many people do you think uh, uh, you'd like to see in small groups? We run about 115 on an average Sunday. How many people do you want, like to see? Yeah, maybe 50%, 60%. I said, I'd like to see 115 people in small groups. Uh, so I'm just throwing out the big, scary goal there that that's, that's what we want to see happen for those five weeks. We basically want to say whatever your experience has been in a small group or whether you've never been in a small group, this five weeks we'd like to say we want you to experience this. Come see what it's all about for five weeks in our groups for a season. Short-term commitment, uh, and uh, we would love to see you there. Now, this week on uh, Monday or Tuesday, you're going to get an email, and it's going to have a link on it. What we'd like you to do is click on that link and go, and you'll fill out about a five- or six-question survey. It helps us kind of get an idea as we're forming these, what nights of the week, if child care is an issue, is food an issue, and things like that. Uh, and so if you would, take the time to fill that out and uh, at least one a household that would be helpful for us. That will happen on, uh, on Tuesday. Easter season is coming up very soon. And we've been designing and planning and working on our Easter service. And our goal on Easter service is for somebody to come that maybe doesn't know Christ or, or has thought they had an understanding of it, but it's never really taken over their life, to come and experience this word shine, that this, this light of Christ really can shine into all the areas and not only penetrate so we have to deal with things in our life, but it can bring this clarity of understanding of how God wants to work in our life. And so that's what this this Easter season is all about. So we've titled it Shine, and we really uh, would like to see us to even now formulate those those connections and invite people to come. It's a, an easier invite at Easter season when people are looking to come and to, to learn about spiritual things or even at least the idol of coming and hearing for an hour about what Christ might have to do in their life. Right in front of you, there is a card like this in the back of the seat. If you are new with us, first of all, welcome. Be our guest today. We hope you will enjoy your time here. But we would also ask that you would give us a little bit of information. This is just for our purposes. Uh, we don't give this information away at all. Uh, just for us to be able to send you a mailer or an email or things like that. If you would, just fill out that section on the front there. And then if there's anything you need to communicate, whether you're new or not, just look on the back and let us know. If the Lord's doing something in your life, you want some prayer, let us know, and we'll take those uh, pretty seriously. Maybe it's just a change of address or those type of things. You can let us know as well, and uh, we'd love to connect with you. Well, Friday night we had a great event in here. We moved all these chairs out of the way, and we moved in tables and obstacles, and we had a nice Nerf gun war night. Uh, had 10 middle school boys show up, and uh, if you've ever been with 10 middle school boys, um, that's an adventure in and of itself. Uh, throw in a bunch of guns that shoot each other, and it was really uh, quite a two-hour experience. Uh, in fact, you may find a few of these laying around in certain crevices here. So uh, we'll let you take those as a souvenir. Well, we're going to jump into our message this morning. This morning, we're asking the question, why does our neighbors matter in this whole issue of how to grow? Everyone likes a pretty good story, right? 
it's even better when you can get somebody that, that kind of knows how to tell a story and if they put a nice little spin on it, right? Take a look at this clip of a, a movie that you probably will recognize. When Steve kept stealing stuff from River Raker's junkyard. So Mr. Myrtle, the guy who used to own the place, got him a new pup from the dog pound. Fed him a whole size of beef. Turned the pup loose in the junkyard. And the pup was grateful. junkyard dog that ever lived. I couldn't tell anything. But after a while, the cops started getting phone calls from people reporting all the missing teeth. The ones the beast had killed. It added up to about 120, 117 dogs. It's true. They never found a single body. Not one. Some people say they all got away. But we all know what really happened. A beast Good to discard dog dogs. So the police said he had to be retired. My grandpa stood in the Talador, a horse thief back then, and he ordered Mr. Myrtle to turn his backyard into a fortress and chain up the beast and put him under the house so he could never get out from the children and stuff. And that's where he's been for 20 years, and that's where he'll be for the rest of his life. Because when Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up by the spring, it said until forever, 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 forever. And so the beast sits there under that green thing, dreaming of the time when he can break the chains and get out. Oh, it's a fun little story there. Uh, but notice how the, the kid is telling the story and his friends are locked in. Now, you as an adult, you can sit there and know that kind of story is not true. You can sit there and you can see the little fabrication, but for a little boy sitting there and hearing this story, knowing that just in the yard next door there really is a big dog, that is a story you can really buy into. So this morning, before we talk about reaching our friends, before we talk about inviting our neighbors and making connections with those who need to know Christ, we need to ask ourselves, what type of story have we really bought into ourselves? What type of story have we experienced in this interaction with God? What is the story we tell? You see, really, there is a couple different stories. There is a story that God is telling. It's a story he's telling about this, this drawing us 
to, to his side. There's a story he's telling about wanting us to reconcile us to him. There's a story he is telling about wanting to kind of mark our path, that if we're willing to walk that path, if we're willing to make these decisions the way his word has indicated, there is this great life he has to offer. Not just at the end in heaven, though that is real and there, but on the path as we're going, there's this incredible life to experience. But there's another story. It has the same character to it, but it's not God telling it. You're telling it. You're the one telling the story. You're the one talking about the same type of journey. And the path sometimes even looks a little similar, but it's it's leading in a different area. And we tell it. And we interpret events our own way. And we interpret the should be's of life or the I think that's of life in our own interpretation, in our own perspective. And so this morning, before we can even talk about sharing our faith with others, we have to decide this morning, are we letting God tell the story for our own lives? Are we walking through it saying, you know what, I, I agree with that. I, I buy into that. I'll walk that path. Or do we kind of put on our, our kind of Christian facade? You know what I'm talking about sometimes. And we walk the path telling our own story. Well, we're the ones the one telling the story. God has told us this in his word. There is more for us to be about. There's more for us to receive in him than just the idea of heaven in the end. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, heaven is, at, by all indications in scripture, is going to be an incredible place for us to spend eternity. But the question is, what about right now? What about the years remaining right here? And the Bible lets us know that there is incredible life for us to experience right here and now. Every day when we walk through life, we have something we can experience from him if we're willing to let him keep telling the story of our lives. Take a look at this passage. This is in John 10.10, one of my favorites. You probably know it. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, let's just stop for a second, because I know some of you know this passage, and we read passages like this sometimes, and we read them very quick, and we, sometimes we even read them, and we put them, you know, like uh, at the, the bottom of a beautiful poster or on a postcard or things like that, but take a look at what this is saying. I come that you might have life and life to the full. I want to show you another translation. Take a look at this. This is from the message translation. A thief is only there to steal and to kill and destroy. I come so they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. When we read a passage like this, we can't just flip through this passage. We have to ask the question, is that true? Is that real? I mean, the, what the Bible is telling you there is dream up your life. I got something better for you. Look what God says. Think about how life to the full would look. And God is saying, you know what? That's life. That's what I have for you. Now, be honest with yourself a second. Have you ever allowed yourself to say, yeah, I believe that. I believe that God will bring something better. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes when I kind of, I even fascinate about what would happen if all the bills were paid for from now to the end. And money was never an option. I didn't have to deal with that. Everything was covered. Maybe I went to work because I still wanted to do something, and I love the fellowship. 
but the bills are paid. And we say, wow, you know, that's really good. Or we say, if I could just, you know, find that right girl, and then, I mean, for me it's happened, but uh, put yourself in that place. Okay, <laughs> just, just so you're not misinterpreting this story. Uh, yeah, if you can just find that right connection, that right relationship, and then, you know, happily ever after. You know, that's life. And then you could probably tell a few more stories like that. Fill in your own blank. And we say, now that is life. Get with me on this. God says, I have a story to tell. You're the main character. And if you would be willing to buy into that story and walk that, then look at this verse. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. More life than you've ever known. God says he has a fulfillment for us in our lives if we're willing to let him tell the story. If we'll let him walk us through it. Take a look at this passage. We shared it in communion. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved us. That at the basis for this life that God has to offer is love. Now, guys, I realize that as soon as pastor shares about the word love, we like as guys to kind of check out because that's women type stuff. I understand it. Bear with us because this bears powerfully to us as well. No. The basis for this life is that God is saying, I love you so much that I am compelled. I am compelled to step into your world so that I can help tell the story so that you would receive this love. God, in a real way, is saying, look, I know I'm allowing you free will to choose on your own. But I so love you that I want to step in, and I want to, at every turn, give you the opportunity to understand what you can choose. And so he sends his only son. And again, we often, we often dwell on, on eternal life, meaning just heaven. But if you take this word life and you actually look at how it's used in other places in the New Testament, it has this connection with this, this passage or these passages where it says something like, uh, the time has come, uh, or the time is coming and is already here. You're familiar with some of those passages? Those passages say, it, yes, it is eternal, but it is here for us now. This life has begun now. And the basis of this is this love. You know what love really is there? It's not that gooey, weird feeling you have, you know, sometimes. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that's ever had that feeling? Yeah? Yeah? Am I? Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I remember it when I first met Sheree. Can I tell you that story real quick? You don't have to tell the story. It's all private. I remember I saw this girl, redhead girl, and I thought, if there is a girl, I think I know who this is. Um, now, uh, I was out playing uh, uh, with a bunch of guys. We had, like, big capture the flag game where we were running around campus. Basically, we were, you know, 22-year-old guys playing a little 13-year-old game out uh, running around this campus. And I'm hiding in a bush. <laughs> um, and uh, I know, I was an adult, but I was hiding in a bush. And uh, this girl comes running down the road, you know, out, out, out for a jog in the evening and hits a curb. And... Uh, I looked up, and it was her, this redhead girl I saw chasing. Um, so she ran down the road. And I remember in that instant, that's the, that was the close-up. I mean, I was in the bush here, 10 feet away. 
And I can remember the, the feeling that I had right away. I mean, it was that, that type of infatuation feeling that I need to get to know this girl, um, you know, that I mean, she seems very nice. Um, I won't lie to you. I thought, man, that girl's hot. Uh, and I thought, I need to get to know that girl. And that was the feeling. You know what I'm talking about. But God's love is much deeper. God doesn't just have this kind of woo-woo feeling for us. He has this love for us that a mother or father would have for their child. His creation. He says, you are mine. I, I love you so much. I am compelled to try to help you receive this love that everything you have. I want to put the option in front of you to say sins are fun, but we'll have this life starting now. Starting now. There's a debate out there about that word perish. We often take the word perish there and we just say, well, that means hell. Um, many scholars will say, no, it's not meaning hell. Perish there is meaning more the agony we live in life if we do not know Christ. The agony we have day after day when we choose not to follow God's way, but we choose to follow our own way. Now, the biblical scholars don't have it all nailed down, so we won't claim we have it nailed down this morning. But you can see how that word perish sometimes comes into play in our own life when we choose to tell our own story. We tell our own story. Now let's talk for a second about sharing our faith. Sharing our faith. Did you know that God has this simple marketing plan for people to be introduced? Now, sure, you could go out in nature and you can experience God. People share their testimonies all the time, and I believe that. But God has this simple marketing plan. You know what it is? Word of mouth. That's it. It's as simple as that. Word of mouth. You see, that God has set it up that we just go out and we say, I have experienced something, so now I want to tell you about what I have experienced. When I was uh, pastoring in uh, Arizona, uh, we were talking about names. We were launching some churches and we were out of our church, and we were talking about some names of churches. And I said, you know what, if I went out and launched one, I want to name it Word of Life Church. That was my name. I thought, I thought that was pretty good. It was, I didn't just think about it on the spot. I had been thinking about it. <laughs> and laughed at, and they said, oh, that's a funny title. And they, they, so they made up little jokes, and every so often, uh, you know, something would happen that would remind us of the word of life, and, and uh, they would say something that uh, was kind of somewhat funny to them, not me. And uh, word of life. I thought that's the perfect title for a church, because that is what God wants us to do, is to share word, to share life. To share what we've experienced with what somebody else has experienced. Now, I realize if you go into some of these mass marketing companies and you say, hey, we're not going to do any commercials. We're not going to do any movies. We're not going to do any, any product ads. Nothing like that. All we're doing is we're just going to do word of mouth. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give a product. Somebody's going to experience it. And boom, they're going to go share it. Um, I realize they would say, well, that's a good, good thing. But we got to have the ad campaign side as well. But God says, no, that's not my way. Every once in a while, a, a commercial, a Christian commercial pops up or a Christian movie pops up, and the story and the moral is always good. The production is not always very good, right? And in fact, Christians don't usually go see it either, sometimes for, for those reasons. And God says, you know what? That's not my plan either. My plan is 
is that we would share out of what we've experienced. There's this logo that was here when I showed up. Have you seen the logo? It has a logo that says One Cross. And as I was thinking about this logo, I was trying when I first got here to figure out how does that logo fit into who we are. Now, you can take any Christian logo and you can weave a path that uh, it fits in. But then I thought about it this week even clearer. When we talk about word of mouth and sharing, that really what we're saying is we have a desire to see another come to know Christ. We have this desire to see somebody else experience the same thing I have experienced. We have this desire to let God start telling the story in somebody else's life as well. And thus this One Cross logo works in pretty good. It works in pretty good to who we are and what we're about as Christians. Now, let me tell you what we're not about. We have no desire to see somebody come in, to see somebody receive this life and the, from the love that God has to offer, and then confuse them with some religious version of Christianity. See, this religious version of Christianity shows up in the Bible. In fact, it shows up with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this form of, of taking the law of the Old Testament and then there were some of these discrepancies. Uh, when the law didn't seem to fully cover an issue, they would come in and they would, they would kind of write another law with it, a kind of a, a sub-law to go underneath that, so that they could cover every single thing. So if you walked in this morning and somebody said, hey, I heard you're um, chewing gum in church. Could you do that? And we would say today, well, whatever. You chew gum? Fine. <laughs> I've got to cover it. Fine. But that's not the way they would have looked at it. They would have looked at it and they would have said, well, let's break this down. And, and somewhere down the road, there would have been this sub-law written in to cover that issue. And Jesus came, and there is really one group of people that he is relentless with, that he is hard for. And it is these people that have taken this faithful love and life, and they've turned it into religious Christianity. That at first, at its core, it's lining up all the things that we should do and title that God. In fact, Jesus has this passage here, and this is, this is one of the, the harsh passages in the Bible. It's Matthew 23, 15. Woe to you, Jesus is talking, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Powerful words. And Jesus is saying here, look, our goal is not to see people come and receive this life and to start walking with God telling their story and trusting in God's version of the story and then manipulate it for them to think it's all about a list of do's and don'ts. And Jesus says, I have no tolerance for that version of Christianity. And so for us this morning, when we experience this real life, when we experience what surrendering before God looks like, and we go out and we share it with somebody else, we don't share it as a list. We go out and we share it as something that God has transformed within us. For example, if I really take the passage of loving my wife, and then I read in 1 Corinthians about what love is, and then I go away and say, God, I'm going to trust your version, and I'm going to really work through what it's like to be patient, what it's like to be kind. And I walk through that, 
said to Will, is your mask full? Come on in. That in the past, I would have dealt with it with my own version of the story, and my own version would have been something with arms crossed saying, well, fine, if that's how you're going to be. But in God's version, I walk through this list, and I start to see the results of what I have followed. And those results are lies, lies. And so that is what when you experience it, it's so easy to go out and have lunch with somebody who's, who's struggling and say, hey, let me show you what I've experienced. And that's what God wants us to do. Jesus has no tolerance for this religious version of Christianity. I had this uh, kid that came to youth group once. We were driving vans down and picking up uh, loads of junior hires, and we were bringing them to church. And um, this is a church uh, at the time that was a, it's a great place, um, but it was a little bit foreign to bring in some raw, rough kids. And so we went down to this place called Highbridge, about 20 miles out, and we would bus these kids in. And one particular night, this kid shows up, and I didn't notice it at the beginning. Um, sometimes when you're driving those buses, you know, it's just hanging on to dear life. And so uh, we got there, and as we were playing our games, uh, somebody brought it to my attention that he had his hat on, and on the side, the hat said F-U. Um, but it didn't just have those two letters. Uh, it was all of the letters spelled out across the side of the hat. <laughs> um, I don't think he was telling saying that to me or anyone there. It just happened to be something that was on his hat for whatever reason there. And I remember thinking that night, I'm just going to choose to kind of let that go and let it go. I just want him to experience this community of these Christian teenagers that are running around, about 100 of them, running around and having a good time and not to experience first these do's and don'ts about these words of divine life. Well, we didn't make it about four minutes before somebody thought a little bit different than I thought on this one and, and spoke with the kid about it um, and took, actually took the kid aside and shared with him how it was on purpose to have this presence of God. And we always tack on at the end, inappropriate and appropriate. What was being communicated that day was that it's more important that you say the right thing and don't have the right thing on your hat than it is to experience this life that God has to offer, something totally foreign to them. Now, he did come back a few times, so it wasn't a once and done for him there. But I remember thinking, I am much more concerned with this kid experiencing the love and the life God has to offer, something you can find 400 plus passages to support and back up in God's word than to worry about one word, this F word, that there's no really clear biblical passage that says whether this particular word is okay. I realize there's some, some passages about wholesome talk and that type of thing. But that's what it, we were concerned with. Now, does this mean that I would like that kid to wear the F-U hat week after week after week? And, and no, I want to see the kid grow. I want to see him put away those type of things in his life. But I want him to do it because he has experienced this life and he has let God start to tell the story of his life instead of his own life. So you can see that is what we want to see. That's what we want to offer people. So now as we transition and we really talk about a strategy on reaching people, first you have to deal with this. You need to ask yourself, what type of life are you experiencing? What are you experiencing? 
you, you don't have to be sitting here right now as a speaker, somebody who's kind of looking for this and checking this whole Christianity thing out. You could be somebody who's been in church for 30 years and you've not experienced this yet. Or you have experienced it at one point, but you started telling your own version of the story. You kept church on the calendar and, and you're here. Um, you might even be locked into kind of a Bible reading, those type of things. But you still kept yourself telling the story and thus not experience this life on a daily basis that God has to offer. No matter where we're at, when we first experience this life, when we are experiencing this life, we now have something that they're asking us to experience, right? Yeah. You know how this works, don't you? Have you ever uh, gone to a movie that you really liked? Anybody? Yeah? No one else doing this? Good. Well, you don't go to the movies. Good. You're very holy. All right? Yeah, you go out to a movie, right? And when you see this movie, uh, if you really like the movie, what do you usually do? Yeah, you go out and you say to somebody, hey, I saw this movie. What do you watch? Um, now, I like the superhero movies. Is that okay for me to say? All right, good. Um, I like the superhero movies. So there usually there's a chase and, and some, some type of fight, something blows up, um, all this type of, of fun stuff happening uh, in these movies. So when I go away and I think, man, that was an awesome movie and there's this car scene and there's this chase and something blew up and, and eight things blew up and I mean just excitement, that type of thing. Now imagine if somebody who did not see that movie came up to me and said, uh, you know, I heard it was kind of dumb. What do you think my next response would be? You are crazy. I just saw the thing and it was amazing. You should go see it. Probably if they say it was dumb, I'm not going to say, well, you're probably right. You know, it, well, now that I think about it, it was kind of dumb. It's the same thing when you experience life. When you experience God's love, whether it's this salvation experience of saying yes once and for all to Christ, or whether you're tracking on something this week and you're saying, I just need to surrender to the love of God. And you do, and this life you experience, no matter what, if you experience this life, you are compelled to now go out and share it with somebody else. You don't have to stand on any soapbox. You don't have to, you know, draw up any funds for some ad campaign on TV or anything like that. It's just connecting with somebody and saying, you know, there's this really cool thing that's going on in my life. Come check it out. Or that person says, you know, I just, you know, today was just horrible. You say, well, tell me about it. And over the course of that conversation, you say, you know, yesterday was horrible for me, but I experienced this. Or there was a time in my life, but I experienced this. It's a simple thing about the life that we experience. There's this passage, a, a short story in chapter uh, in Luke chapter 5, in verse 27. Take a look at it with me. It says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home in with Jesus as his guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law com complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to be saved. You know, the interesting thing here in this story, the thing that I, I love about it is 
Jesus, as he goes and he calls this person to be disciple, sometimes what we think here is Jesus is calling Levi here to be one of the 12. And that's not what's happening yet. Jesus goes and he calls all these followers. He calls people to come and follow him. And some just started following without even receiving the calling we find in Scripture. And so there was this great following. And then we find at a point in the book of Luke that, that Jesus goes and he chooses those 12. And so sometimes we read a passage like uh, Levi here, and we kind of dismiss that that's similar to our story because we say, well, we're not picking 12 apostles here. And Jesus goes, I'm just, I'm just going and asking people to follow me. Get back in Jesus' hands of you at some point in your life and say, I'm following you. Trust me. Let me tell the story of your life. And he said, okay, I'll do that. And he followed him. That's what's going on in this story. And then we find out, it says later, uh, another translation, the NIV says, the next day. So this happens right away. Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Now, if any of you have ever tried to put together a banquet or an event like that, you know, one day is pretty quick to put that type of event together. Most likely here, Levi had this banquet in place for a long period of time. But as soon as God invaded his life, as soon as he said, God, now tell the story of my life, Levi was compelled to say, well, we'll still have the banquet, but I'm going to put Jesus up in the head. Jesus is now going to be at the center plate of this banquet. We're still going to have food passed and, and, and some beverages passed, and we're still going to have a good old time, but Jesus is now going to be the head of this banquet. And who are the guests? All of his other 12 select disciples. Levi says, man, something happened in my life, and I am immediately going to go, and I'm going to put Jesus in a position so that I can share what happened with all these other people, these people that need it as well. He didn't debate whether it's still okay to have a banquet or not. He didn't debate whether it's still okay to pass wine or not, which they probably did at this banquet. He didn't say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian now, so I probably shouldn't have association with these these heathen tax collectors anymore. He just continued the plan and put Jesus in the head there to make an impact on people. You see, that's all God's calling us to do. And all he's calling us to do is to go out and share, just like you would share a great message. That says, this was the life I experienced, and you know what, I'm going to go, and I'm going to share it with somebody else. I'm going to share it with somebody else. And so, when Matthew in chapter 28, verse 19 says, go and train everyone you meet far and near in this way, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is calling us to do, to go out and share this message, to go out and share this transformation that can happen and this love that God offers their lives so that God can set someone up for a better life instead of themselves. Because there's one thing I think we've all proven, whether you're talking about a Bible character or us today, we just don't tell as good a story as they do. And so for us, we need to let some stuff go. Two more things, and, and we'll be done with this. I want to challenge you as we're talking about this series of how to grow. I want to challenge you with one more all-in statement. And this all-in statement is just simply this, that I invite one person a month to come and to, to be here at Wendover Hills. 
Now, I debated this thing. I thought, you know, man, you know, you know some people are like born again and saved and cranking. I get little text messages from Sahara all the time about uh, uh, people she's invited to church. But I wanted you to know this is not any form of legalism or guilt. This is a number we're putting on because for some of you, cultivating a relationship takes a period of time. And we want to cultivate this relationship. So do that. The point of the matter is that we would be continually inviting people to come and experience what God has to offer. For many of you, you came right here to Wendover and you were introduced to that life in Christ for a while. And so we encourage you, invite somebody to be here, to sit right next to you and experience the same thing that you experienced. And then secondly, this question of why. Why? Did you know that most people, they don't know church can be like this. There is this preconceived notion of what church is like. Church has you look a certain way and there's a certain kind of music that's played and there's a certain list that are, are, of, of things you'll say yes and no to as you walk in the door. And then Hollywood throws stuff into the mix too where we really get confused about what this whole church thing is about. People don't know that what it's really about is God offering you life. It's offering life to life. They don't know that. And so we have to consider that. We have to offer that to them. We have to help them come and experience it. From that point, it's all God's job. It's all God's job, I think, to speak into their heart and into their life. But we'll be there inviting and encouraging them and helping them out. So I encourage you this week uh, to start connecting with that and inviting people along to letting them know what it can be like, what it can be like and what God can offer their life. Easter's coming up in just a few weeks. Like I said, it's always a, a, an easy time to invite somebody to, to come and to sit along with you. On Easter Sunday, let me give you a little preview. We're going to be talking about this life and life transformation, but we're really going to make it applicable for somebody who doesn't know the Lord. It's a great opportunity for you to bring somebody here. And then right at the end of that message, we're going to be serving communion. And it's going to be that, that opportunity for us to, um, to respond to what Christ might be doing in this world. But it's also that opportunity for somebody brand new who says, you know, I want to walk that aisle and receive my first communion with my Lord. And we'll be doing that that night. So we encourage you to be inviting your friends and coming up so they can experience the same life you have. So let's go before the Lord and, and pray. And in just a second, the praise team's going to be coming. And we're going to be singing a song called Shine. As we're singing that, I, I want you to just really picture, picture that person that God might be leading you to, or the person. And think about that word shine, light shining into their life. And your invite might very well be an avenue for them to receive that. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that a simple story of a, of a tax collector throwing a banquet can be an inspiration to us saying, you know, where do I need to put Jesus as the, as the centerpiece in my life for people here? And here are those tax collector type connections of mine where I need to just put Jesus out there and let him interact. He's good at it. And Lord, this morning, I want to pray for one that may be here this morning that has not experienced your life or maybe it's been years since they've experienced that and so when they go out they just feel weird about sharing about you because 
There's not a whole lot of life there for them to offer. Lord, would you help them know that even this morning at this moment, they can simply just say, yes, Lord, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my heart. Whether they need to pick up that dinner or to start that dinner fresh in their own heart, because they would say, they would say yes.